The global pandemic has left millions of couples unsure of when and how they can get married. Hi, I'm Julie Sabatino, the owner of The Stylish Bride, and for the last 17 years, I've been working with clients on all of the fashion elements of their weddings. I know firsthand that as a bride today, you're faced with many hard decisions and lots of complicated feelings, but you also really want to enjoy this special time in your life. We're going to talk about all of it. Through interviews with industry icons, real brides, and some boots-on-the-ground knowledge, I'm here to help you navigate the tricky waters of getting married in the time of COVID, and hopefully have some fun along the way. Welcome to Season 2 of the podcast. I am so glad you're here. So if you want to try it for yourself, and I recommend that you do, you can find it on their website, supaskincare.com. And as a special bonus for our listeners, enter the discount code TSB20 at checkout for 20% off. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Stylish Bride podcast. I'm so glad you're here with us today because I'm really excited and honored to interview our guest, who is KT Mary, an amazing, amazing photographer that does destination weddings and editorial and lots of really, truly beautiful, inspiring work. And KT, thanks for being here today. And I'm really glad that you're here to share all of your knowledge with us. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here as well. Great. Let's dive in. And I thought that maybe it would be a good way to start to have you tell us a little bit about yourself and your photography business and how you started just to bring everybody up to speed. Yeah, absolutely. I am one of the, I think, rare birds that kind of have just been doing this forever. I ended up in a photography class when I was in high school in Northern Nevada and was lucky enough to have a photography teacher who took kind of an interest in me and my work and asked me to join a photography competition that back then it was through Vika. I don't know if you grew up anywhere where they had like 4-H or anything, but where I was, uh, we had all those things. And Vika was Vocational Industrial Clubs of America, which is was like everything from welding to auto mechanics to photography. So I hope it's still around. I should actually look that up. But long story short, I went and did this photography competition, ended up winning at the state level, went on to a national competition and was runner up. And what that meant was suddenly I had two full scholarships to photography schools. And so um, it kind of changed. I had been applying to universities and all those types of things and quickly kind of pivoted and ended up going to photography school. And uh, the rest was history. Wow, that's pretty incredible. It was just like a total left turn. Yeah, it was kind of a photography. I always say photography chose me in that sense that I was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm going to do. And the pieces just fell into place. And it was really also my only opportunity to get out of the state on a full scholarship. And like most kids from a rural town, I just wanted to go about as far away as I could. So I picked the school on the opposite end of the country and went to school in Massachusetts and then started working for fashion photographers as a photo assistant after that. Oh, that's really fascinating. How was that experience? Incredible. You know, at the time, my main goal, you know, if I had had it my way, I would have taken one of what they call one of these leap years or gap years, I think it's called where you just go put a backpack on and travel around. But that wasn't really in the cards. I had to work and support myself. So uh, this was the closest thing I could find to that where I was getting to go to Europe, getting to go to the islands, you know, all, all these different places around the country as a photographer's assistant. And 
all the while learning from amazing photographers and kind of learning the ropes of the fashion industry, which at the time was really booming. It was a really fascinating time. And I did that for about five years and did everything from photo assisting. Eventually, once digital was born, I learned how to digital tech. I did some production work. I even assisted a few fashion stylists back in the day, drugs and clothes around. So <laughs> I got to, I got a lot of really good experience that I think was really important to everything that you know I do today. So how did you take that and decide to start doing weddings? Yeah, well, it was interesting because it was in that five year period that literally digital was born and, you know, the whole country, everything changed kind of with that, right? It wasn't that long after that blogs were born. This makes us all sound like dinosaurs I right know, now. I know, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All of a sudden, weddings kind of shifted out of those church basements and white linen cloths. And I think Martha Stewart, big part of that yeah. too. You know, she really showed the country uh, that weddings could be something different. They could be something more. And so they started to kind of gain more interest in photo wedding photojournalism was the rage. And yeah. so I started also second shooting for wedding photographers and then eventually associate shooting. And so it was just another kind of thing in my, as you can tell, I'm, I'm pretty much down to do anything and learn it and do it. So it was just another one of those. And I kind of started to do it more and one of the fashion photographers that I actually worked for was like, huh, I bet you we could, you know, make this like luxury thing and be the fashion photographers that go shoot weddings. Well, we created like a company name together, went and did one real high end Palm Beach wedding. And he did one day and he was like, this is horrible. I will <laughs> never do that again. And I was like, was that bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so then I kind of went from there and leveraged all the contacts and people I had met through fashion and really started, you know, got my business up and running and, and started doing that. And then at some point had to make that decision. Okay. It was kind of like walking away from your full-time gig, like having to actually turn down fashion jobs. Cause I was like, I'm committing to this other thing now. So, so that was kind of an interesting transition, but one that ended up serving me well. And do you still love weddings today? Yeah, I really do. Especially destination. Um, you know, just back to the original photo assistant times, it really, for me, it's always been about going new places, meeting new people, being in new cultures. And that's so important to me. And so weddings have been kind of my continued education in terms of real life education that, I mean, I, I didn't even know most of these worlds that were in photographing even existed. So I love that aspect about weddings is that they are ever challenging. Um, no two are the same that we really get to work with incredible people in amazing locations and have these kind of really, it sounds cliche, but you know, once in lifetime experiences that are, you know, we work with amazing vendors and, and teams like yourself. And so when you get all that right, I really love it. You know, it's yeah. not every day we get all that right. But when it's we do true. that, I really, really love it. It's true. I mean, I think that when it all comes together, it's a little bit of magic to mm -hmm. have all of these people that are at the top of their game coming together on one particular event. There's something pretty incredible about it. Executing. It's it's kind of the same way when I'm at, you know, one of these Michelin star restaurants and you just see this whirlwind of just stuff going on like crazy and somehow They've figured out exactly how much time it like takes to cook the piece of meat and boil the sauce and serve it all on our table at the same time. And you're like, gosh, if I had to reverse engineer that, it would take me, you know, a month. Oh, for <laughs> and, sure. I can't even so, get string beans and chicken on the table at the same time. I mean, it's that's like... <laughs> the thing. It is pretty fascinating how good when you... And I admire anybody who's just really a master of what they do. And I just love to spend time with people that have that dedication, that 
that really the drive to do it not only the best, but better each time. And, and that I think is one of the fascinating things about kind of working at the top of weddings is because it is, it's so high stakes. I mean, obviously we're not doing brain surgery, but it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And the intensity and yeah. on an extended period of time is a lot. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I leave these events exhausted emotionally and physically even. And I leave earlier than you, although a lot of times we go, go earlier. But, you know, I don't know. I think of it often where you guys are there until two o'clock in the morning. I just don't know how you have the stamina for it by like nine o'clock when I'm gone. I'm like, oh, my God, I need to take a bath and I like a bubble bath and chill out. Yeah. It's a little bit why I started a challenge in January. I've always been into being healthy and working out and things, but I started a 30 day challenge of sweating every day for a minimum of 30 minutes was the idea and invited people to join me. But then it was February and it was like, well, why would I stop this now? And then it was March and you know, so we're now I think 270 something days into the year and I've just kept it going. And, and I, part of it is that reason that it's so important. You know, I'm not a person of big stature, but I've always, you know, had to carry my own weight of equipment and it's very physical. And I, I look at people who go like, Oh, I don't work out. I'm like, how do you do this? Because I know certainly getting up and running and staying fit is the only reason that my body knock on wood hasn't, you know, broken down after all these years. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's true. It's definitely a test of endurance. Mm -hmm. And especially when they're like, you know, three, four or five day events, it's like, wow. Yeah, even for the planners, I know, you know, they just don't get to sleep ever. It's really fascinating. But I think that that's also an aspect of the industry that people maybe don't see how hard the heart and soul these vendors put into a wedding for their clients. I mean, everybody really, for the most part, I'm generalizing, but at least in the circle that I work in, they really care. I mean, they're not, they're not just doing this as a job. It's like, it's their daughter's wedding, their son's wedding. Yeah. uh, There are many easier ways to make money. And if you don't love it, like the photographer that you went in, in Palm beach where the first one, I mean, you either love weddings and you have to be all in or you don't. And it's not for everybody. A hundred percent. And I love, I think that's one of the best qualities a person can have in life is being decisive when you go, Hey, put my foot in that water and that's not for me and yep. move on, you know, exactly. uh, versus trying to force something. Because at the end of the day, if you don't like it, um, ultimately, it's really hard to be a master of something that you really don't like. No, it's 100% true. And it's funny, I read a book about it once. And I think it was Seth Godin, I can't remember. But the vague, mm. the vague concept was, quitting is the smartest thing you can do. Like unless you're going to be the best in your industry or in the world at what it is that you're going to do, then just don't do it. Like this whole thing of don't quitting's bad quitters or whatever. It's actually not true at all. Like if you don't have it in you, like do find the thing that you have. Cause I believe every person has something, a gift, a talent, something that they excel at um, above all others. So you have to find it. Tell us a little bit about uh, like a couple of career highlights for you. Were there moments that you were like, wow, I have really made it or this is so cool or what's been the highlights? Yeah, a hundred percent. I had, I had one of those years, uh, in 2014 that just still to this day, a couple of those weddings that I shot that, that year were, are still like front of my portfolio and just everything, like we said earlier, all the magic came together and just everything, you know, from the weather to the fashion to the people to everything just went through flawlessly. And one of them was a wedding in the Maldives, a multi-day, you know, take over an Island and charter everyone in kind of thing. And 
they were just not only a beautiful couple who was very well dressed, but they were also the real deal, um, love story and connection and were down to do whatever I suggested. And mm-hmm. so I think I, you know, shot more than I've ever shot that weekend, but it really panned out and ended up being the first Asian real wedding on the cover of Martha Stewart Weddings. And so that was a really, really great one. And, and to this day, I, I just look at that as kind of showed me what was possible when you have all the right ingredients and they come together. And that same year was uh, another great Ireland wedding and, and types of things. So that was definitely a highlight. And then certainly kind of the celebrity work is always a standout when we get to work with amazing celebrities, you know, of course, love doing that and really being challenged to kind of deal with the different logistics that come with that, whether that's, you know, churning out images for publication right away or the tighter schedule, whatever that may be. It's, it's always a, a learning curve for sure. And I, I think that when you work with a celebrity, they know so much about what it is that you do, like yes. that it's, it is a challenge you, that you have to rise to because they are so well-educated. They know the angles they look best in and they, you know, they're familiar with having their photograph taken. So there's that yep. element of it too. Yeah. And and I think too, even more, you know, often in the luxury market, when you're working with, you know, the 0.01, everyone has been exposed to the very best of the best kind of all the time. So the level of expectation is obviously so high. And so you really have to be that true master, that true professional and and be able to figure it out in whatever circumstance may happen. And and I think that's kind of the mark of when you look at the top planners and, and whatnot, those are really just the world's best problem solvers. And before the client even knows there's a problem. So it's interesting. Yeah. It's funny because the mark of a success in that arena is that the client never knows or doesn't yeah. know until way after. And that's yeah. really the true testament of how you do your job. So I'd love to know about your style of photography. And I've asked this question to lots of people, but because I'm not a photographer, I have trouble discerning what your style is from someone else's. So can you like kind of run through with us, like what makes you unique and like the the different options? Yeah. And I think ultimately, I talk about this a lot that ultimately it's just a point of view that it's my point of view of the world of this event of anything. And, and so I bring with me my background, my background in art, which is just, uh, really to the core, just about creating beautiful things, taking something that maybe somebody else would overlook and finding a way to put it in front of people for them to soak it in. I certainly bring in the background of my fashion photography. So I like to bring a little bit more of an editorial approach where it still feels honest, but more editorial, more refined, a little bit better than maybe people who were there experienced it. If we can show the more beautiful side of things. And then I'm also a big believer in the sense that, you know, as you were talking about categories, there's like this journalism category, which is like really real and raw. And then there's like this really refined, fine art category, if you will. I really am a big fan of not kind of forcing clients to have to choose one of these lanes or the other that I think together, those are what tell the full story that I want the editorial 
beautiful portraits where it's all about, you know, this amazing gown mixed in with these more honest, raw, real moments. And when I lay out an album, kind of combining those things, and, and it is kind of some different styles, some moments are more photojournalistic, and some are really curated. To me, when you put those together, that's when you have a really deep, layered and textured story that's really interesting visually. That's fascinating, because I don't think I've ever heard of it described that way, but it makes a lot of sense. You're right. Why would they have to pick one thing? They should. Mm -hmm. It's a compilation of all of Mm -hmm. it that really gives it a full picture. No, that makes complete sense. What do you think, given all of that, are the most important things a bride needs to consider when selecting a photographer? Yeah. And I think for any couple, the most important thing for me is to really educate them, regardless of the market that they're in, that really this is the final product, that the flowers will go away, the yeah. all those services, they will be left in their memories. But ultimately, this is really what you're left with in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, when you kind of forget exactly what did my tabletop look like? You know, this yeah. is how you're going to recreate your memories in a way. And so it's just so important, whatever decision they make for them to really think about it, first of all, and really try to get to know the depth of a photographer's work and make sure that they feel aligned with them in terms of personality or energetically. And then, you know, the advice I always give to couples is whatever your market, whatever your budget, just get the very best photographer you can afford. And then if you need bells and whistles like albums, prints, or even if you're trying to decide, should we have 10 appetizers or should we have five and get a better photographer, you know, pull back on the bells and whistles and get the better photographer. You can always add more bells and whistles, you know, a year or two down the road once you've gotten that promotion and the wedding is is behind you. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And is one of probably a service that's one of those other things. I still think you're right. The photos are what you're left with. It's funny. uh, My 19th wedding anniversary is coming up in November. It's so crazy. But, you know, I look back on the photos and it was a very, very different thing back then. Like we didn't have anyone like you, you know, there was, you just, it wasn't there. And even the perspective wasn't there, but that's the thing that I show my kids. That's what I look at every year. It's pretty incredible. And we didn't do our album for like six years or something crazy. And it wasn't because of money. It was because of time. I just never sat down and did it because they handed you a box of prints. Yes. And they're like, okay, you like print 2531. Great. Put it here. I'm like, oh my God. You know, (laughs) truly I have them sitting in my closet. It's it's pretty hilarious, but you know, it's fascinating because I've actually kind of didn't even think about it from the kid's standpoint, but yeah, your kids obviously most likely are not at the wedding. And if they are, they're usually peanuts. Yeah. Um, Um, And so they're going to learn about it through the eyes of this work and this lens. And so just being really conscious and and look beyond the Instagram reel, look beyond, really look to see how a full story lays out. Albums are a great way to do that, looking at some sample albums, because that's you're probably not going to look through all 2000 of those photos again, but you're probably going to leave through the album, right? Yeah, absolutely. I always tell my clients when they're talking to me about photographers, I'm like, look, at a certain level, the body of work is great, but you have to find somebody that resonates with you and that Mm -hmm. you want to be around because the photographer is with you. And we get up close and personal, obviously, because we're physically dressing them on the wedding day, but you are there for the whole day right with them. And if you don't have like that vibe, it's hard. It comes through. 
A hundred percent. And, and it's just the same way when you find somebody that you go like, Oh my God, I do this with interior designers all the time. I just go, I bet I could show them my pin board and they would design my house and I would just walk in and be like, love it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, and, and that's what you want. You want somebody that you can literally go, okay, here's my deal. Here's what's important to me. Here's what I'm self-conscious about. Now you go do your thing. And for me as a creative, when somebody says that, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Because it's when somebody goes like, well, I want to recreate these 27 Pinterest shots that are all from different photographers. Right. (laughs) Love that. Okay. What are we doing here? And I had that a lot early in my career where I just left going, why in the world was I even there? Because they clearly didn't like anything I was suggesting or I just felt really out of alignment. And I'm sure they did too. So on both sides, it's all about finding that alignment. And it's our job as vendors to make sure that we're trying to seek that, even if it's saying, hey, what you've got planned is great, but I know somebody that would be perfect for you. And I'm going to give you that recommendation. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. There's so much strength that comes with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a hard lesson as somebody who owns a business to learn, but it's true. If it's not (laughs) the right fit, it's better to call it in the beginning. It's interesting. One of our photography students, you know, we have a digital course for photographers. So we've kind of got a community of photographers and, and he just was writing me saying all the weddings that postponed, you know, they've postponed the weddings that canceled the ones that went away completely. He said, no, it was interesting. Only those were the ones that I knew they weren't an ideal client to begin with. All the ones that were, I knew were a good fit. And like, ultimately they just shouldn't have booked, you know, he should have probably said, Hey, I don't think we're a good fit, but needless to say they went to contract. And those were the ones that didn't actually end up going through. And I think we see that a lot, that a lot of the times where any problems arise or anything like that, you kind of, you probably saw that coming and just kind of went along anyways, when the best thing you can do is probably raise your hand and just say, let me, let me help you find the perfect fit for you. Yeah, no, I think it's great advice. And it, it, for a bride, the brides out there that are listening, it's great advice because if you don't gel with somebody, they probably know somebody that you would gel with. So, mm-hmm. cause it's a small industry. We all kind of know each other. So, you know, you'll be able to say, you know, I really think you're more of a blah, blah, blah than me. And I think that 100%. that's, if we can pull together and do that, I think that it, it just makes the whole thing better in general. So talk to me about how COVID changed things for you. Because as a photographer, I mean, it's game complicated. <laughs> but yeah, get, that's I know. It's like literally game over. Um, red light. Yeah, definitely. First and foremost, it is I work together with my husband and business partner, Chad. We travel together. We work together, pretty much everything together. It is the longest that we have been in one place in over a decade. And to be honest, in spite of the uncertainty with it, in spite of all the people that have suffered, the people that have died, all the terrible things, unemployment, all those terrible things, aside from those, I was extremely calm. And it was like, I just soaked in every moment, every Saturday off. I think we talked about that every Saturday off that I had, I was like, wow, I just worked a five day week and now I get two days off. I I was like, (laughs) this is amazing. And so I just found myself just soaking up all the opportunities that I, I feel like, you know, maybe the last 10 years, I really hadn't had time for finally catching up on editing and cleaning out that darn junk drawer and and all those things. And so 
it was a real blessing for us just to use that time to rest. There were a lot of silver linings for us in that. And I was reading something about the fires in Napa. We were supposed to be there actually today shooting and the house that we always stay at is actually on the road where that fire started. So I just got a phone call. I've, we've been staying there for years and I just got a phone call from the owner and the house survived because she had it privately defended. She was talking about how her neighbor said, well, you know, next year we're going to have a, a lot of wildflowers because there's all these wildflower seeds that they only germinate when there's a fire and there's enough nutrients that go back down in the soil. And so you, it's like, you know, every, however often there's fire decades, you know, that yeah. you're going to have just wildflowers everywhere. And so it was this whole idea that after the fire is the wildflowers. And so we've been just trying to really look at it through that silver lining lens and that we'll get through it one step at a time. Yeah. I mean, it's a great perspective. How will you manage next year? Are you running into things that, you know, you can't take new clients because that date is booked with someone who postponed and how much of a problem is that? Yeah. And it's hard for photographers because I know some stylists, for example, can kind of outsource between a team and do a lot of the work up front. Of course, you know, most of our work is on that day. We can't really, we can't do much about that. And so it is hard when you've done what, you know, we've done, which is it's, we're kind of a a two person show and, and we both are always on each job. So we've really tried to go case by case and just be as calm and empathetic as possible to every situation and really weigh those outcomes and decisions slowly versus kind of reacting to whatever may be coming up right away. And knock on wood, so far, we've only had a few things that we go, oh, gosh, that's a real bummer that now, you know, we're having to say no to something because of something else moving or things like that. And you know, hopefully we'll be able to continue to navigate that and couples obviously being a little bit more flexible and kind of sharing some perspective dates with us before confirming, you know, is super helpful. It's just case by case. And I think it's tricky for everyone. So just coming from that place of like, well, let's try to figure out the best solution together. Right. No, it's true. Did you alter your contract? Or are you like thinking of things in that way? A hundred percent. The second this happened, I've always been really big into business foundations and and having solid contracts and things like that. And so the second this happened, I really quickly knew I needed new provisions in the contract. I needed rescheduling agreements, which I had never in 14 years ever rescheduled an event. Ironically, I think I've done a lot of those now. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Getting real good at those. We certainly had to re-up there. and, And we're still kind of, I think as we go, I was talking to a photographer going, well, now my 2021 might push to 2022. What do I do then? Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's a learn as we go game. And, and I think a lot of us are, you know, we all like to be experts and really leaders to our clients and guide them. But at the end of the day, we're all beginners at how to operate a business in a pandemic. And so you have to kind of have that mindset, try to soak up as much knowledge as you can and figure out the best way to serve the clients. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Is there anything you think you would advise a bride to make sure is in there when she's looking at her photography contract? Yeah. So for couples, you're really going to want to look at your make sure there's a provisions or not provisions postponement clause. So just what is their policy about postponement is essentially what it is. You know, do they charge you a fee? Do they not charge you a fee? Do you ours, for example, we say, you know, we'll you pick three dates and we'll try to find give some that work. And if, if you're moving from, say, a 
Saturday in April, but then you're trying to move to Labor Day, you know, that's kind of a shift in moving from maybe off season to a prime peak date. And so just kind of trying to loosely outline those things. And certainly the goal of contracts is just for them to provide guidelines of we are all kind of in agreement around these ideas. You know, obviously, none of us ever want to get to the point where we're going into court to try to, you know, figure out what side of the fence these things actually fall on. So I think the more that you can, if you're curious about that, if you're going into this booking season, going, gosh, I'm worried about 2021. Well, just have those conversations. It's great to get it in writing, of course, but have those conversations and then get it in your contract if it's not there already. Just, hey, if I have to postpone, this is what we agree upon. Yeah, I think that that's that's important. And I think brides so often are flying blind with these contracts if they don't Mm -hmm. have a planner and you're kind of figure it out. So it's really good advice. Mm -hmm. How has it changed how you work? Like, for example, working in a mask is harder. Have you done any um, like small events and things like that? I have. I've done a few now. Once again, everyone, depending on where you are in the country, depending on your viewpoints of the pandemic, everyone's got a very different outtake on it. And so that is very case by case, too, that some people, you know, in California have really strict protocols in other states in the Midwest, maybe have none. Ultimately, I feel lucky in the sense that we are both in good health We're not necessarily, while I certainly do not want to get sick and I'm going to do everything I can to be safe, we're lucky that we already aren't like autoimmune compromised or something where we're really fearful of, gosh, what, you know, what if this happens? So I think it's just about trying to be smart once again, talking to the team. Hopefully there's some type of planner on board who's got some type of strategy as far as how we're the one that we did pretty early into kind of things opening back up. They COVID tested everybody. We just did one last week in Boston and we COVID tested within the 48 hours before flying. And so just talking to the clients about that. And even our clients, this one was very happy to cover, you know, that cost of the 24 hour test, because it also gave their family peace of mind, who did have older people there that they it gave them peace of mind to not be as worried about us. Yeah, no, I think that that's great. I'm hearing it a lot. And you know, I guess the more rapid testing we can get, and a lot of these events that have decided to hold are using them. I mean, it's, that's the best way to go, at least for now. Do you work in a mask or is it really dependent? It really depends. So all of them that I've done, um, especially anywhere where they're required, absolutely. And we're always showing up um, that way. I know some couples are not wanting the, you know, teams in masks. So it, it really depends. We're trying to, and then there is the issue when you're a photographer, when I'm kind of like say outside and directing, usually then I'll have to take off one side just because I'm literally like a talking and, and they can't yeah. hear me. And I go like, I sound like I'm talking through a snorkel. So I literally have to kind of move it so they can actually, you know, you don't want it to impact the experience where they're kind of looking at me. What do you want me to do? You yeah. know? And, and that's, I never want a client to say that. I always want them to feel very, guided and directed through the process. So navigating those, but we did, you know, try to get some like a nice black mask that goes with our outfits and you know, those types of things. Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, I think the, the shopping with clients that I've done so far, what I find so difficult about the mask, aside from how hot they are and all of that, is that you can't judge the emotion in someone in the same way. Mm -hmm. And so it puts a barrier in the connection you're able to have with them. That's the part that I hate about it the most. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I, I mean, obviously, we're just one industry uh, adapting. And for example, my mom's a sign language interpreter mm. in for a high school student back where I'm from in Nevada. And they are required masks and sh- face shields. And so it's a, really hard for, for example, deaf students, they read lips uh, as well as yeah. my mom interpreting, but she will usually do both. And she was like, gosh, can we at least get like clear masks or something? Yeah. So they're trying to figure that out. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> there's just so many unusual things that you go, gosh, I've never would have thought we would be trying to solve this kind of a problem. I know. I just actually Googled clear masks on Etsy the other day. Honestly, I don't know how you use them and it doesn't fog up, but some of them claim not like, to. <laughs> yeah. Get really wet in there. <laughs> yeah. It, like if we think the cloth is gross, it's like, you know, I can't even imagine, but I miss being able for people to see me talk and vice versa. It definitely makes the connection more difficult, I think. Well, were there any other challenges with the smaller weddings that you faced that could be a think- lesson? Yeah, I think here's the thing is I'm always of the approach of if I'm going to do something, I want to do it really, really well. And I've seen a lot of these smaller weddings now that sometimes, and I'm not saying this is necessarily the ones that I have done, but we're seeing kind of both ends of the spectrum, either people saying, okay, this is now a smaller wedding, but I'm going to really, I'm going to approach it with the same level of attention to detail and design curation and all that, it's just going to be smaller, which you can actually then go even sometimes more in depth on those details because you're not doing it for 400 people, you're doing it for 35. And so you can, you know, get everything embroidered with their name on it or whatever it may be. But then there's a lot of brides that are like, well, it's small. So, you know, micro wedding, micro pricing, don't want to spend a, a lot on that. And so it's, I've kind of seen both sides. And of course, I think some really elevated smaller weddings are even more magical than the really big ones when they're done right. And so that's what I would love to see more of is, is kind of having, putting that same level of attention and energy into it as you would a large wedding, because really the emotion around it, all that's still there. None of that changes. And really in terms of the day, you know, in terms of our photo schedule, not a lot changes. You maybe take out some of the seven hours of dancing and reduce it to three or four or something yeah. like that. Maybe that's not an after party, but there's not a lot else that changes. You still have getting ready. You still have portraits. You still have a ceremony and usually a cocktail. You know, a lot of it's the same. Yeah, it's so true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny. Um, the brides that I've spoken to have all agreed that they hate the word micro wedding. And it really surprised yeah. me because that's what everyone's calling it on Instagram and everything. And I was like, oh gosh, you know, I never thought about it. But all of them said like, this is my wedding and it might be right. smaller and it might be different. Intimate is a nicer word. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, but when I celebrate my anniversary, it's going to be on this day and it means something. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was a great perspective that I hadn't even thought of before. It is interesting. We have one that's choosing to do the intimate wedding um, this year and then the large bash next year. And same thing she's, Hey, this is my day. This is when I'm actually getting married. You know, sure. We'll, we'll do it all again and have a big bash, but that's going to be more of a big bash, at least in terms of sentiment and meaning. So a hundred percent. Yeah. And they, there a couple of them said, I don't even know that I'll call it a wedding. It could be a first anniversary party or it could be, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very, it's really, it's interesting what's going on in the industry. And I also think you mentioned it before a little bit that they used to be like weddings used to be like in a 
basement of like a church yes. hall or something. But in a, in a little bit of a way, I feel like this time is bringing us back to the core of what a wedding is. And when you're forced to only have 35 or 50 people, you know, like my parents got married and had a lunch at a restaurant afterwards. Like it right. was the early seventies. Nobody had like, I mean, I guess some people had them, but it wasn't common to yeah. go to these like elaborate events. And it's, I think in some ways there's something really nice about bringing that back and mm-hmm. focusing on the marriage and instead of the whole thing. A hundred percent. And and it's more about the meaning and experience that things like details and design provide versus stuff for the sake of stuff. And so I think, I hope, as you're saying, that we'll continue to see that trend where it's more, more thoughtful. Yeah, I totally agree. So tell us what is next for you. I know next year will be a really busy year, but tell us a little bit about what your vision is for the next five years, let's say, once we've gotten through all of this, like hopefully and everything. <laughs> once we're in the season of wildflowers. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. I, you know, it's really fun. I love what I love about all the different areas that we're working in is just continually to find new ways to grow, evolve and, and be challenged. So we've really been continuing continuing to expand the photography side, um, you know, doing getting kind of back to my roots and doing collaborating more with things like bridal designers and doing lookbooks and campaigns. And that would love to continue to do more of that work. Continuing, I have two fine art print shops where I sell our prints more from travel, a lot of my conservation work. I'm partnered with three different conservations in Africa, and we photograph the animals that they protect and sell them to donate back to those uh, conservation partners. So I'd love to continue to do that and, and really helping other photographers. Before COVID, I had launched a digital course called the Abundance Plan for Photographers. And it's been really great to give back and all the things that I took the windy road, you know, tripping over my own two feet, kind of figuring out to really be able to help guide them in the sense of of really what I wish the knowledge I wish I had back then. And especially in a time like now where people are really having to say, Hey, I've, I've got to rebuild my business. I've got to rethink things. It's, it's been wonderful to be able to kind of help and see a great community come together. So more of that. That's very, very exciting. I think we chatted a little bit before, but I follow um, the abundance plan and everything that you're doing with it. And I think that it's really fantastic because there's nothing better than sharing the knowledge that you have with others to make their lives more enriched. I think that it's amazing what you've done. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. This has been so fantastic. And I know that the brides out there are going to get a lot of information from this that's going to help them navigate these crazy, crazy times. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. And and for all your couples that are listening, it's a hard time to be an engaged couple, but it's also there is a lot good with it in the sense that I do think you kind of get a permission slip if you didn't feel like you had one before to really do what you would like to do in terms of if you don't want to do traditional things, or you do want to do traditional things, or you want to have a crazy, amazing dress, whatever that is, you know, try your best to be able to give yourself that and and your fiance. So you can look back and and really know it was for the two of you. I couldn't agree with you more. That's a perfect way to end. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope it was helpful. I'd love to hear from you. So please reach out if you have any questions or if you just want to say hi. Either way, send me a DM on Instagram. My handle is at the stylish bride. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. So you never miss an episode on how to be dressed, styled and down the aisle. Bye for now. Oh, 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 oh